Hello and welcome to 551 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine and uh, I am not the host this week, but I wanted to introduce it at least. Um, it is the off-season for Minnesota United FC and so uh, I am taking uh, my off-season and eating lots of cupcakes and um, I'm going to be working on The Complete Darkness, which is uh, the season review book that um, will be for sale soon and available in January, etc. But in the meanwhile, I don't want the podcast to be dormant, so I'll come in and out and, and we'll do kind of the, the regular episodes, but this week is a special episode. Um, Matt Pravatsky, who um, if, if you followed us and followed and seen the Gophers coverage that has happened this year, um, it has come from uh, Matt's uh, kind of enthusiastic uh, coverage of the team. Uh, I've loved it. Um, uh, lots of people have reached out to me and and other people at the website and said how much they love it. Um, particularly the the players' parents really love it. I think that uh, they they he has a very Matt has a very big uh, following there. Um, and, and so um, this week he's he's going to sit down with um, Emily Heslin and April Bakken. Uh, and talk uh, with them about this season and how it went, and also kind of the the student athlete life. Um, I hope you appreciate it. I reach out to to Matt and and kind of let him know because um, I think um, when people do these kind of labors of love, uh, you know, uh, Matt is being paid a pittance for this. Uh, I think it's important to kind of make sure. You know, make sure people feel appreciated for what he's doing. Um, and if you want to support the, the podcast, the website, et cetera, this type of coverage, the stuff that literally you are not getting anywhere else, uh, go check out our Patreon page. Uh, $2 a month or $3 a month or, hell, $10 a month. I don't know. Whatever it is, um, it goes a long way because it adds up. And uh, we are close to 100 patrons uh, supporting us every month, and that is fantastic. Um, and so I, no more from me, uh, let's do the music from big quarters. Matt will come back with, uh, both Emily and April and, uh, enjoy. Okay, we're here for a special 55-1 podcast with junior, soon-to-be seniors, Emily Heslin, who holds it down in the midfield for the Gopher soccer team, and star nation-leading assist dime dropper April Bakken, who plays who plays up top. And so we're excited to talk to you guys. Your season wrapped up a little bit ago, so you've had time to take like all of the emotional reactions, maybe drained a little bit out, although, you know, maybe never all the way away. Yeah. But at least we're not interviewing the, you the day after the announcement that you didn't make the tournament. So we have a little chance to cool down. So um, what's it been like so far, kind of adjusting back to a normal non-season schedule for you guys? Um, I think at first it's a little difficult. You don't, like that week off we had, I didn't exactly know what to do with all my time, but now that we're back into eight hours of training and lifting and running, it's a little bit more of a balance. But yeah, that first week was a little tough with absolutely nothing to do besides classes. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because you have like no distraction. You're right. like going to class and then as soon as you're out of class, you're, or even when you're in class, you're like, Ugh. I'm not thinking about practice or the games or anything right. else. It's just purely school. Right. And for those, make sure we can sort out our voices. That was Emily Heslin talking. <laughs> April, what's it been like for you adjusting from the season, kind of adjusting to classes and just that eight hours a week of training? Yeah, like Emily said, I think it, like the first week I wasn't quite sure what to do. Um, it was still like mentally like thinking you're still in season or like kind of reminiscing on it and thinking you could, should have still been playing. Um, but also like having all that time is kind of weird. It was a nice and a little bit of a way just to be able to relax and not think about it. But then you hop right back into eight hours and you are lifting and running and it's... <laughs> back on the grind. <laughs> and so for those of us who are less successful former student athletes, or for those of us who have not been high level student athletes, talk a little bit about like that adjustment period. You're talking a lot about like a different type of a day than during the season. So talk a little bit about like, what's your day like in the season? Like you, you wake up and then what does your day look like as you go through? So for me, my um, semester this year, um, year has been really tough and so on a typical day I'd have probably three to four classes which was a lot and then I'd have to quick go home eat head out to practice practice and, and practices around like when when was it two th 
3.30. So, like, classes all morning. All morning. Then, then like, cram a lunch. Cram a quick and lunch. Then grab your sweet scooter, take it to <laughs> right the on, ELR, yep. go to the stadium. <laughs> And, and then, then you have training. For like 90 minutes usually. And then we have dinner after practice with the whole team. Okay, so up in like uh, in the stadium, you guys are eating together. Yep, in the press box, we all eat together, which is super nice. It's like a time to kind of like decompress from like a stressful day of um, classes and soccer. Mm-hmm. And then I would go home and then I usually had tutoring or mm-hmm. I'm in a discipleship group with teammates. So mm-hmm. a lot of time with my teammates during the day, mm-hmm. but it just feels like my entire day is jam-packed, not a whole lot of free mm-hmm. time. And so, like, practice is afternoon, and then you, like, eat and do those other things. But then is it also, I mean, do you ba- are you basically, because your schedule is limited, are you basically forced to just, like, if you have studying to do, you just have to do it, like, right after that? Yeah, there's literally no time to procrastinate. Like, you might find yourself doing it some days, and then it really comes back and bites you the next day when you yeah. have double the work to do. So mm-hmm. I think time management is, like, huge. Like, mm-hmm. you literally don't have a choice but to prioritize everything you have to get done. Just go, go, go. Right. It's kind of like a nonstop. Exactly. But I think a lot of people are like that where, like, I'm terrible if I have a half plate of stuff to do, but if I'm completely overwhelmed, there's no choice. Like, there's no decision making. There's no procrastinating because it just is what it is. Right. It's exactly what you have to get done. And then, so, and then April for people out of the season, what does your day look like now that you only have a little bit of training here and there, but you, now you have to kind of wrap the semester. What's it like kind of going through your day? Yeah, so now that we're in the eight-hour phase, we can have two hours on the ball, and then other six hours are can be spent in the weight room. So we have training for an hour in a gym, which is not ideal, but it gets touches on the ball. So we have that twice a week for an hour with our coaches. And then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we lift, and the practices and lifts are about the same time practice was in the, during season. Um, so our days look about the same with the um, classes in the morning. Um, you might have a little bit more time because you don't have to go out to ELR and get ready for practice, but it's still a big chunk out of your afternoon. And then since it's finals time, too, like you have projects and you have more schoolwork to focus on, and it's kind of crunch time, so. Well, and what's the, even, I remember this even playing at, like, very low-level Division three sports. Like, the practice time also meant at times there was certain classes you couldn't take. Like, you guys are talking about basically training is during the afternoon all the time. And so, like, if there's, like, a 245 class, you just can't take it? Or, like, how yeah. does it work? For certain, does it just mean that certain players kind of get steered away from certain majors because it's like, well, I could do it, but it would be brutal, or I would have to stay yeah. an extra, whatever. Um, well, being at a big university is really helpful because they offer classes in a lot of different times. But for us, they make sure that in the fall, our practices are in the afternoon, and then in the spring, they're in the morning. Mm-hmm. So if there's a class that's only offered in the afternoons, mm-hmm. you can take it in the springtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not limited a lot. There's like maybe one or two majors that they kind of steer away student athletes from just mm-hmm. because of the scheduling conflicts. Mm-hmm. But overall, they do a pretty good job of that. And sometimes it's not ideal to take the harder classes in the <laughs> fall if it's only offered in the mornings. Mm-hmm. But that's what you have to do if you want to major in certain. Well, and you both have been here for like many semesters at this point. What's the what's it yeah. like the split between even like your academic course load in like say in season versus spring? Like, do you do you, is it really heavily different? I mean, how do you balance that? So I think it definitely depends person to person. Like a lot of people's majors, they can sort it out so that they take all their hard <coughs> classes in spring and then have a lighter load during season. But I kind of got myself into a bit of a pickle with taking a long time to pick. Um, a major so I don't think I've had an easy semester yet but if you can balance it it is possible and a lot of people do it like they'll take even less credits in the fall and then take a few more in the spring to help balance like what would that look would it be like taking two classes in the fall like can you take that I think you have to have 13 to be eligible yeah okay so you have to take 13 credits so that's like three-ish classes plus a maybe like a tap dancing and then you have me who's in five during season so that was a lot yeah like full 20 credits or like i mean no it's i think it's 16 because a couple of three credits one's like like a one credit so Uh that's just that one's not like a ton of work but it's still a class i have to make it to i'm getting like exhausted (laughs) just hearing it is exhausting actually another thing though is it's super nice being an athlete is you get um priority registration so you never have to like i've never had to um experience not getting into a class Mm -hmm. or like a time slot that i needed so that's like a huge benefit for us in our schedule Mm -hmm. well and so how like what's it like kind of across the team in terms of (laughs) Like the academics, are you all in somewhat similar programs? I mean, is it all kind of whatever? Yeah. Is, I mean, because another, yeah. you find a lot. I feel like when you when you the sports you hear the most about, like the main, like football, basketball, you tend to see people kind of gravitating towards certain programs, mm-hmm. and some of them 
like may or may not be like deemed to be less academically rigorous, but you guys are always kind of seen as having a pretty high academic standard. Yeah. So is that like is it a full mix? I mean, if you look at the team, like what you guys list on the website, I don't know how airtight that is, but like the stuff you list is pretty broad. Yeah, I I would say our team has a very wide net of mm-hmm. majors. I know uh, TJ. Originally, was going to major in like aerospace, something like phys- <laughs> astrophysics. That's what it was. And then we have people in like I'm in kinesiology. We have a couple business people. Like so, we have like family social science. Family social like science, you could not biology. Get a so like we, we cover almost. Uh, we have a couple engineering even. So I think we're a team that covers almost every yeah. part of. Our, and every we're major. also like a lot of the girls like are coming here to play soccer, but also like want to um, get a degree that they actually want to use after school yeah, right. and are passionate about. Right. So, Well, I don't know if you cover all the bases because, no. first of all, no one has talked to me about learning about journalism and communication. So <laughs> Juliana. Juliana. Well, I mean, like, no one has talked to me about this. All these times, I'm just like a goofy dude at games. No one has talked to me about journalism and communication. So. Um, and you've had time now to really kind of decompress off the season. I mean, even, you know, the crazy thing is even before – you found out you didn't make the tournament, you were also in kind of a waiting game. You also had kind of like a, a nice gap to be just like processing this information. And now you've had time again. I mean, that announcement day, you know, I was there. It was very emotional. It was just like absolutely brutal for you guys to kind of, you learn the news. And then right then, it's like seniors are done. And it's right. just like yeah. snap of the fingers, like this specific team is done. I mean, what was it like in that moment? Like what goes through your head in that moment like all of those things kind of rushing into you? I think like on a personal level, it's like upsetting because you want to do more for yourself and for the team and mm-hmm. see more games. And But more than anything, you just feel so bad for the senior class. Like most teams, if their season's over, they know their season's over. Like they didn't have to do a waiting game. They knew it was their last game. However, like our seniors were literally blindsided. I think we all thought we were going to make it. And so your heart just breaks for them and everyone in the room knowing you're never going to play a soccer game with those girls again. And mm-hmm. so... There was a lot of emotions and a lot of disappointment and Mm -hmm. hopefully not too many regrets, but I think it's hard not to go there Mm -hmm. in those moments. Just like think about even like moments in a game. It's one game. One game could have changed everything. Exactly. One goal less maybe or we don't give up the goal late Mm -hmm. against Wisconsin. So I think those memories definitely go through your head and it's Mm -hmm. really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, how did that compare? Because you've been through, I mean, every season eventually ends, but it's not always kind of like an announcement Mm -hmm. that you hear about. But how did that, like, oh, we're not playing with these girls again. How does that compare to kind of if it's happened to you, like, in high school? Is it just that the stakes are that much higher? Like, we are investing so much more in this than at other levels? Yeah, I think it's a little bit different in college, especially. Like, for us, that time was really hard because we were really close with the seniors, and, like, Mm -hmm. we've only known go for soccer with those seniors so I think that was really hard and in high school like for at least for me like mm-hmm. when my time ended um it was like mm-hmm. you know that sucks but I had four more years mm-hmm. and I think you seen, know what's next you already yeah. know that there is yeah. like a new and f- and for college it's like you know you're pretty much done after this um and I think for me too like being a junior like seeing the seniors end that way it's like mm-hmm. you it's made it so much surreal or so surreal for me knowing mm-hmm. that like next year's our senior year and mm-hmm. we only have so much time left mm-hmm. so I think it's a lot harder to like process that in mm-hmm. college well and you you guys are both major contributors you both had outstanding seasons this last year as juniors but then in that moment how much do you think about because you're kind of talking about this like you're almost feeling future regret then you're like this better not happen to us Mm -hmm. so how much of it is you thinking about the next year and being like we're gonna come in we're gonna be kicking ass from day one we're gonna help our freshmen get along I mean how much do you think about that in terms of like screw this we're not doing this again versus oh my gosh this sucks I mean is it just everything all at once I I think it kind of comes all rushing in at once for me especially was like more of like thinking about the past season like what could we have done like Emily was saying, like mm-hmm. one goal, one little uh, thing left or right, like mm-hmm. could have set our season in a totally different direction. Mm-hmm. But I think it also brings to like seeing the seniors end like that, you're like, I don't want that to be how I go out. So right. it kind of gives motivation for next year and kind of makes you think about like what you can do mm-hmm. personally and what the team can do um, right. to kind of make sure that doesn't happen again. Right. I mean, it sucks. Like, yeah. It sucks that to feel that way. <laughs> it's brutal. And, and Emily, you had a really good year as kind of like a holding midfielder and for, you know, for people who didn't come see games and that four, three, three system, 
a lot of the like attacking side of the ball is pretty wide open. There's mm -hmm. a lot of movement, a lot, especially the three up front. You guys do a lot of crossing runs, a lot of stretching the defense. And then that means the outside backs are also really bombing down the wing. And so you were really one of the few players who kind of had your space box to box, where you're like always living in that mm -hmm. space and you had a good year, but you largely got like kind of like overly snubbed by in like the award season. And so that role kind of comes with almost no glory. Mm -hmm. I think maybe at like the top levels of soccer, people respect holding midfielders a lot and For they sure. get paid a lot of money and all those things. But it seems like there was just like a total lack of that rec representation. Mm -hmm. Like for you, when you look back on the season, how do you balance that with like, I know I had this good of a year. I know I played well, like I know I helped the team. But then you just, there's a complete lack of recognition from like a public, like I didn't get a trophy type of, like how do you balance those two Right, things? and so I think I've been playing holding mid since high school, so it's something I've like come to terms with is that it's not a glory position. I don't get a lot of points, I don't get a lot of credit, and I'm okay with that. My teammates know my worth and my coaches know my worth. My parents know my word. Um, no, but so... Your mom, for those who have not met Emily's mom, come to games even like 10 minutes early. You will find her. She will find you. Um, I came... I don't remember who talked to you guys about this. When I rode on the scooter and like came yes. to the game, I, w I realized, oh, I went when the players went. So I was super early for that game. Oh, yeah. And I was just thinking like, what am I going to do this whole time? And so I was standing around and I heard some of the moms who were listening to the podcast we did with Stephanie, actually, with the head coach, Stephanie... And, uh, and then they looked at me and they're like, oh, are you Matt? And so like your mom was talking to me, like all of the parents, your mom was talking to me, like all these parents were just chatting me up oh, so they much. Love and they love your just, stuff. Well, they just love talking about it. They're basically my, I think they're probably my only readers. So I have to be very, I have to be very loyal to their uh, reader awesome. needs. But the, yeah, I mean like your parents, you mentioned parents. Parents are so, so, so present on this team. Oh, I mean like sure. parents are flying in for games. There's there like will never be a game without parents there. No, it without is crazy. a doubt. Well, and we the, travel well too. Yeah. Well, and on the flip side, like away teams, I had a few times like when there was, uh, when I sit outside and I'm near the away section. There's a few away teams where I'm like, wow, it's a real, real winner. Like <laughs> for people who follow around, like Purdue dad was someone I referenced several times throughout the day because he was just like, <laughs> he was just an asshole. <laughs> he just kept yelling and he just kept screaming. And I was like, wow, he seems like a real joy. Right? Like, yeah, that's funny. Dad. Well, so you and you. But when you position kind of into your next year, do you just have to kind of block out the idea of, oh, well, maybe if I push forward more and scored more, like I would get more recognition or like, oh, maybe if I did like had a few more assists or whatever. I mean, do you have yeah. to kind of block that out of your mind and know like that's not my job. My job is like connecting right. the two lines. I think for me, it's like partially using it as a little bit of motivation because I next year would love to get mm -hmm. an award and not leave it up to question. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a bubble player um, when it comes to that stuff, but I think I also can't let it like destroy my confidence or mm -hmm. um, take away from what I am good at, which is connecting. And you know, there's no points for connecting as many passes mm -hmm. as you can. But yeah, passing accuracy is not right. And I mean, on maybe if that was, I would have gotten an award. But um, <laughs> if no. only. So yeah. So I think this year it's just, I mean, using that as a little bit of motivation, but not letting it like overwhelm me or consume me or mm -hmm. make that be my end goal because it's certainly not. Mm -hmm. Well, and on the flip side, April, you really played in a position and really executed in a way where the stats did tell the story. Like, the stats that people use very clearly told the story. Like, there was a several-week stretch, and I think you ended still in, like, the top three or something. But Or did you finish up top? Now I'm insulting you. you. Where you had, like, the most assists in the entire country. And so you had, you were on top of those leaderboards, and still you weren't in that first team. And so... Like for you, you also, it was, I mean, there are different types of situations, but you also had like a fantastic statistical season, but then still to not be kind of placed in that first group. I mean, does that, how much does that discussion happen in the team or is it mostly like individual? Like, do you have to kind of back each other up, but it's a lot of just like steaming internally? <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's more like, in, like personal, like yeah. the team doesn't really talk about it um, that much, yeah. which... I think it's a good thing because there are some people, like, I think there are many more people on our team, including Emily, like, sh that should have gotten awards, but they didn't, so I think it's hard to, like, mm -hmm. talk about it, and we need to focus on the season, because, like, when mm -hmm. those came out, we still had a lot of, or we thought we had a lot of season left, we still yeah. had Big Ten tournament and stuff like that, so I think, I mean, you ha kind of have to look at it and, like, take it with a grain of salt and be kind of sad for yourself, but at the same time, like, mm -hmm. move on and focus on the team, mm -hmm. and on it, I was, like, very 
honor to like even make a team because mm -hmm. you never know with that kind of stuff. Right. So, well, yeah, clearly um, we know. Like, yeah. You never know. If you get so it was like a huge honor, but again, I kind of I mm -hmm. looked at it for a day and then moved on yeah. because it, the team was more important at that right. point. Well, what's the physical award you receive? What's like the um, item you get? I believe it's a certificate. It's just a piece of paper? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like yeah. they don't give you like a sweet, like yeah. a, I don't know. Like a plaque maybe? Or no. whatever. You don't, they, wow, that's big time. Yeah. yeah. Direct to you. Fix that. <laughs> that's an embarrassment. They should get something really sweet, like a soccer ball of some quality. Or like, <laughs> that's funny. I don't know. Although maybe it would just be, end up being cheap. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. That's very disappointing, by the way. I would assume, well, maybe like player of the year gets something done. Yeah, they get a trophy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then you do have something to strive for. Yeah. Both of you right. could be competing for player, player of the year. year. We want a trophy. You can get like yeah. co-offensive player of the year or something. And then Midfield you get, forward. Midfield, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. There you go. Well, and we, I mean, I think we on the outside watching the team saw, especially early on, I mean, there were games where it was just kind of, abs you were just absurdly dominant and kind of really bringing it to that non-conference competition. Then going into conference play, it seemed like things, obviously, the quality of play is better, so it's understandable. I mean, I think most Big Ten teams probably kind of like plow through non-conference, right. or at least yeah. the cupcakes of non-conference, and then make it to Big Ten and it gets tougher, the game slows down, more physical. Mm -hmm. But what did you guys see, because it really was sort of gradual, like as I think back, it was kind of, you see it gradually slows down, just gets a little tougher to score, all of those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you feel that during the season, or is it more now when you look back, you're like, oh yeah, we, we, yeah, we kind of just struggle finishing, oh, whatever. I mean, do you feel it when it's happening, or because it's kind of incremental, at the do you only really see it at the end where it's like, oh, things kind of slowed down, or like, oh, we weren't quite connecting? I mean, what does it feel like in that moment? Well, I think every season at the beginning of the year, at least every season I've been at Minnesota, like at the beginning, the first few games, it seems like we struggled to score regardless mm -hmm. of the competition, and mm -hmm. it's always an issue that we try to fix, and then we the floodgates open and it happens, but then you hit Big Ten play, and like, I don't care who, what players are on what team, like, every single game in the Big Ten is going to be a challenge. Mm -hmm. Like, even I, the Michigan State game, you know what, we may have won 7-1, to one, but, like, they actually had some good performances mm -hmm. that year, too. You know, it's mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. the Big Ten is so competitive, and so um, mm -hmm. I think not getting too frustrated with not being able to score, but mm -hmm. during it, you, you definitely notice it's not, yeah. besides a 7-1 game, it's usually 2-1 to one or 1-0. Mm -hmm. to Like, there's just not a lot of scoring on either side of the ball. Mm -hmm. so. I would agree. Yeah. Um, I think for us, especially this non-conference, like looking back, the struggling to score, we, I think we had some like losses and ties that we shouldn't have. And mm -hmm. looking back, that might have hurt us a little bit. So I think like that's going to be on the top of our head a little bit next year mm -hmm. and figuring out that scoring thing earlier. Because mm -hmm. I feel like the floodgates for us didn't open until break Big Ten, which is kind of opposite of what usually happens. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that mm -hmm. we're really going to focus on. Well, and it seems like part of it, I mean, it's easy to talk about kind of the finishing side and we can talk about that. But actually, even before that, a lot of the times the issue with scoring goals is actually the pass before the shot and like the getting that good setup. Well, in the pass before that, but you guys generally do everything but the last pass in the shot really well. I mean, that's mm -hmm. kind of like the staple of your ball movement possession, mm -hmm. really good movement off the ball. And April, you were one of the players clearly who could make that final pass. Mm -hmm. And so for you, how did you try and balance, especially playing up there, like giving up the ball versus taking those shots, especially when it's like, oh, we're not scoring. But if you're in the box, I mean, it seemed like at times the team feels pressured to be like, we have to start ripping shots. Yeah, um, I think like, well, coming in, I was like a goal scorer. So that mm -hmm. was kind of like my, my mentality. But as the season went on, I realized that I wasn't, converting on the opportunities I got to score, but uh, when I was playing the balls across, people started scoring them. So mm -hmm. I think I kind of found my role in that assisting spot and mm -hmm. kind of getting myself in a dangerous position and playing the ball across. And I mm -hmm. think as the season went on, my teammates kind of caught onto that and were, were finding themselves in really good positions too. Mm -hmm. So I think together we kind of made it work up top. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing for us though, is we struggle to like take shots. We always wait for that perfect opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something as a, like a forward and like a t attacking team in general, mm -hmm. we can do a little bit better job of is just taking those half chances because mm -hmm. you can't Get a score. rebound, get something. Exactly. Right. So mm -hmm. instead of waiting for that perfect opportunity, just kind of taking an opportunity when you have it. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you're going to miss a lot, but when they do go in, it's going to mm -hmm. pay off. Right. Well, and it seemed like my, my take on it toward the end when I had my, you guys had your break where you weren't playing games, so I also had a break. So the one time I wrote anything <coughs> not about a game was it seemed my, my guess of kind of how tactically it was going for you guys was, especially when you got down, like if you didn't score first, 
then the other team could just kind of like park it. I mean, they could mm -hmm. just hang out and then they're all of a sudden blocking up all your lanes. And so in my mind, I wondered like, is it worth being like a decent amount riskier at first, like really throwing forward and really taking shots? Because when you're up, you guys very rarely scored one goal and then you were done if you scored early. Mm -hmm. Like scoring early meant they had to counter and then you had more space to really slice through them. And so in my mind, I was like, God, I wish they just like throw it forward, like go nuts, like yeah. really go crazy, which is very easy for a fan to say. Yeah. <laughs> but how much did you guys talk about that? Because it really did seem like toward the end, you got more and more reliant on some of those longer balls. And I think some of the problem is like you guys were sometimes I was really good. I mean, like with people on the end of it, like you could make a run, Sid could make a run, like all these players could make a run. Did it feel like that was happening as it was happening? Or is it kind of like, we have no space, there's nowhere to pass, let's try and get it over the top? I think it was a little bit of both. Like, um, obviously we have a ton of speed up top, so sometimes when teams are like trying to hold us higher and not let us possess the ball, like squeeze the space, mm -hmm. that over the, ball, or over the top ball was on, and so it was mm -hmm. super dangerous, but then I think if our possession wasn't at the level we wanted it to be, um, we found ourselves just playing it over the top just mm -hmm. to relieve some pressure. And Minnesota soccer, that's not what it's about. We're, <laughs> we've never been a kick and run team. We're a possession oriented team. And so I think we kind of lost sight of what we were good at at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. And had we um, kept going with the possession and believed in mm -hmm. that a little bit more, I think things could have been a little different. Well, in the but it's tough too, especially like if you played on large team sports mm -hmm. because it's it seems like too it's tough to like when the whole team is kind of drifting toward mm -hmm. a little bit playing like that a little bit playing like that a little bit playing like that it's really tough to pivot out because you can you could say it like coach right. could say it and you could say it and then you could say it and people could all say it but to get like 11 or like 16 like players all to shift a like a little bit of right. gameplay sometimes shifting a little bit is actually like tougher because you're like well yeah we didn't play that the wrong balls right mm -hmm. and i think they always tell us though it just takes one person to put their foot on the ball and like connect to pass right instead of just kicking it and i think that's something that we rely on our midfield a lot to mm -hmm. do it you'll hear crystal yelling all the time i'm leona Simoli fiedler get on the ball make pass like you'll hear yeah. it all the time because i think <laughs> sometimes it, as hard as it is to get everyone on that same page if you connect two or three passes the next time our right back gets a ball they're like oh maybe i should connect to pass it just too. feels right yeah. right i mean but again it is really hard to get Right. 11 to 15 players on that exact same page right well in april you had a few of those really nice runs and had some unlucky like finishing towards the end where you had just like gorgeous breakaways but is it is some of the adjustment the fact that like okay well if we're all building up and we're all moving in the box and sending a diagonal ball back that's one kind of build up and shooting and then like a breakaway is just and yeah. you and the keeper is it is it just that those situations are so different i mean how does how did you how do you approach situations like that because it seems like they're mentally very different like one yes. is in the run of it and one is like oh my god it's me and the keeper yeah i think for uh for me it was like in college especially like i've only had those opportunities like where it's the box like people there's everyone there yeah. shooting yeah and you very rarely get breakaways and yeah. when this started happening for me this year it was like i haven't trained this since high school like right. i haven't been in this situation so i think it was like i got in my head and i was like almost mm -hmm. thinking it was too easy because it yeah. used to be pretty like very like normal for me to do that mm -hmm. so i think uh, just like i wasn't quite able to like get over that hurdle of like when i did get a breakaway to like just be composed and do mm -hmm. what I normally do and know how to do it because yeah. um, like in the college I haven't had a breakaway probably since senior year of high school <laughs> right. so it was like all of a sudden they were coming and it was like what am I going to do with these right. even like in training like we don't get break like especially playing against our defense like mm -hmm. we would never get a breakaway even to train well and it's like it's tough to train for that anyway yeah. I mean I don't know I guess you could kind of like roll it out and the keeper could have to like decide when to come out, yeah. but it's really hard to duplicate it, that yeah. compared to other types of gameplay. And especially too. with like the pressure situation too. Yeah. Like those, yeah, those were big games. This yeah. is not like non-conference. Yeah. Like, and like even if you are on a breakaway, there are ten girls chasing <laughs> after you. Like you know that. Like you're not, not that like far behind. It's not like right. you have a forty yard head start. Like right. they're like you're not eight just yards chilling. behind you. Yeah, yeah it's not like, like a rolling PK. Right. There's yeah. people <laughs> running at you. Yeah. Like in the Ohio State game, I didn't even think I was on a breakaway and I cut the goalie and I was like, Oh, I have the goal and then the girl came streaking back. Like right, right, so right. the recovery run is also like longer. So you have to right. like, beat the goalie, put the ball in the back of net and still beat the people that are sprinting without a ball to get there. Right, so right, it's right. like there's just a lot going on. And yeah. Obviously, it's something I'm going to work on because yeah. next year, hopefully, I can put those away. But. Well, it seems, well, and it seems like, too, I mean, like, you guys, the way I describe your team, like, to people who haven't watched like, the game, like, watch mm -hmm. games, and, like, 
half of all I was doing was like telling people how fun it was to watch your games. And the, I think the, the way I described you guys was you have a bunch of players who are like really good midfielders and really good wingers and really good off the ball and like good passers, good defenders, good hustle. But a lot of that is some of those players then are sort of in some ways like forced to play as forwards. You know, like a, a lot of your team is like you're stacked with you're so overly stacked with like outstanding midfielders, you know, like and yeah. and a few of those also have to play striker. You know, like it seems like it's yeah. tough to find players who are just like all I do is shoot the ball into the net. I do nothing else. I sit up top and just rifle <laughs> shots in. I mean, is it do you do a lot of work on finishing or is it just that like you have to just take chances like as they come? I mean, do you do you literally do like finishing, finishing, finishing in the off season, or does that just become sort of like silly? Definitely not in the off season, <laughs> not a whole lot of finishing. Um, but I would say in season we do a fair amount of finishing, but because our team is like so defensively minded and mm -hmm. like appreciates good possession, mm -hmm. I think even if you, I guess, I mean, it's hard to say, but someone that was just purely a goal scorer but couldn't play possession and couldn't defend, <laughs> honestly probably wouldn't play here. Like we just value mm -hmm. um, other things so much. So I think finding the balance is really hard, but mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess we don't really have like a straight up someone that just every single time they just shoot like the ball. It's it. yeah. Right. Yeah. No, they we have a lot of possession and defending and mm -hmm. I think we're a very unselfish team too, mm -hmm. which sometimes hurts us. Like right. like I was saying, like sometimes we just don't take the shot because we want the perfect opportunity or you right. don't want someone to be mad at you when they were open. Right. So I think we have to find that balance, especially like Yeah, I mean there's definitely ego in being a striker. I mean like you yeah. have to be like screw you, I'm better than you. I mean it's <laughs> yeah. like I'm gonna shoot, it's going in, like there's no question. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, so yeah, I think that mentality comes into it too. And then I think it's, I mean, players just naturally have like a knack for shooting it too. Like I, especially the main reason I would watch warmups is you get a sense for who can like, the way I would say it is like put a little mustard on the ball. I mean, like you can rifle it in, like Jay could definitely rifle it in. Sid was like a little bit more touch, but she can rifle it in. You guys had other players like you and Molly who could hit a long ball, which was, I think, help stretch too. I mean, like you both have absurd like distance goals this year, but it seems like a lot of players also just, if they like, grew up like playing midfield, they're not gonna be like dead eye sniper yeah. like, with a shot. And so is it is it a little bit that you're kind of like adjusting to, hey, all front six have to be able to take shots and maybe the outside backs. Is it that you come in not having taken a lot of shots and now you have to like teach yourself to be taking shots? I think it's a little bit um, of that, but also we talked a lot about like different zones in front of the net and we talked a lot about the green zone, which was mm -hmm. like inside the post, like mm -hmm. up to like the PK spot probably. And that's where we wanted to like score most of our goals because that's where most goals are scored mm -hmm. from. And so, what was it, the red zone is like outside the 18, it's just not a lot of goals are scored there, mm -hmm. and so I think we, people like try to invest more time in scoring, like sitters. And getting a good shot, where like you're literally yeah. tapping. Where, like, right, like it's almost a guaranteed goal, and like right. you definitely have to take risks from the red zone, but like they're rare goals, they right. don't happen all the time. But it's about prioritizing the higher percentage shot, yeah. which, which people don't think about as much, like that analytic side, that actual like statistic-based coaching in soccer as much. I mean, they think about it in basketball, especially which is, it's so simple, like threes and layups. But that's a really interesting way to think about it too, that it's worth taking more, investing more time in building better chances, even if yeah. there are fewer of them. You're like just playing a math game. I mean, how much do they hammer like those numbers to you? Because Coach would always bring those up to me, but I haven't had a chance to like force her to actually show me those charts. Yeah. So actually, so before practice, every single day, the like training schedule is up on the board, and a lot of times there'll be like pictures of like what we're doing, and then also like I remember like specifically on that day where they introduced the red zone, green zone, there was like all these like fractions and percentages written up, and like we're, like, we're all what? like, what is that saying? But then she came and explained it, and like. Our coaches love numbers. They love mm -hmm. breaking it down. I think I've had Crystal send me like all my like percentages of everything, and like so I think they're very number oriented when looking at that stuff. So what are some of those stats they like hammer in other than like green zone, red zone? Do they talk like passing percentage, like challenges, like shot on goal? Like what's the stuff that they hammer into it? Um, this year is pretty much just they would say green zone, and right. that would for us that was like, like focus, thinking focus, about focus. those statistics they showed us. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we don't really like. Yeah. I don't know, talk about, well, I think Crystal does it more than uh, Coach does, because mm -hmm. um, I've never gotten, like, my <laughs> passing percentages. But, right. Um, <laughs> but, so it's more yeah. just, like, focusing on, they're keeping track of where shots are coming from. Yeah, right. And just, like, prioritize high percentage shots. Like yeah. Green zone, green zone, green mm -hmm. zone. 
And yeah. so do you, okay, that's good. Like you get like lightly scolded for taking too many reds on shots. I mean, not, I mean, they like want you to take risks, but I think yeah. also if you're taking eight shots in the Soft red zone <laughs> and you can hardly make it to the net or they're <laughs> skying it or whatever the case may be, they're going to be like, hey, look, like what we're really good at is getting the ball on the whiff yeah. and serving it in the green zone and scoring goals. <laughs> so. Well, and you guys are going to have to come in next year and have at least a handful of new contributors. I mean, one thing Coach does a lot of is plays deep in the bench. And so you have players who came off, even though they weren't starters, played a lot of minutes. I mean, like Athena played a lot of minutes as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, a few other players kind of ebbed and flowed, but still got a lot of minutes for being mm-hmm. freshmen. But how do you, how do you as upperclassmen kind of help new players get acclimated acclimated is it a lot of just like by example or is it like is it a lot of just reminding 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 I think in previous years for me I've always just been a leader by example like I just try to do what's right and let my play talk for itself but as I've moved into a leadership role I've realized the importance of actually like taking people along with you and so this spring we need a lot of growth from a lot of people and so I think there are going to be a ton of opportunities to like do extra work with girls or um, give feedback or let them ask questions to you and like answer those questions and just try to be like an extra set of eyes because the coach can't talk to every single player on the team all the time. And so I think as upperclassmen and leaders, we have um, a big responsibility in helping carry the freshmen along Mm -hmm. and sophomores too, underclassmen Mm -hmm. in general. Well, and you, there's not as much transition. I mean, you did lose seniors in the midfield, but like you'll be back, you'll have other folks back who have played minutes, and uh, you know a decent amount of the, you'll have defenders coming back too, and so there's a little bit of connectivity. Mm-hmm. On the offensive side, you really lost two other of the major or leading goal scorers and finishers in Juliana and Sydney, and they were both, they were two of the more kind of like, more kind of pure finishers on the team in terms of being like true attackers aside from you. So do you, do you feel a little more pressure and be like, all right, game on, let's get crazy, let's, like, <laughs> let's bring everyone along? I mean, you had some younger players subbing in, mm-hmm. but do you feel more pressure being like, all right, game on? A little bit, just because I, I feel like um, I have the most experience up top now, and I've never been in that position before. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's going to be, like Emily said, it's going to be really important to not only lead by example, but also mm-hmm. kind of like, um, like leadership and like talking to them and kind of like working through it because um, like for Sid, me and Sid had been playing together or against each other for so long that like even though I hadn't played with her in high school like I played against her mm-hmm. for four years like I knew how she kind of played and stuff so um, we kind of had that connection already in, when we came into college so now it's going to be like me trying to build those relationships with the other forwards that we have now mm-hmm. um, and like learning what they like um, they, them learning how I play kind of because mm-hmm. you can watch it all you want but until you're in the game I think it's hard to like see or like know where someone is or like know what they like so right we'll get a sense of like what that turn is like when they're actually going to run off the ball yep. or whether they're kind of like giving a dummy like to fake yeah. people out a little bit exactly. well and it's one thing i wondered too kind of all season is in that four three three, you guys are moving a lot mm-hmm. there's a lot of kind of cross patterns and it seemed like even though you're three kind of all forwards it seemed like there was a little bit of a difference between playing inside versus outside because especially the outside mid and the outside forward Mm -hmm. would at times do a little bit of overlapping and because the outside back might come all the way too the outside forward ended up tracking back a lot more Mm -hmm. than the center forward and so for you is it going to be staying you played a lot outside obviously are you, is it going to be staying in that outside spot and having someone else be kind of like a holding center mm-hmm. like forward or do you because you're the most experienced have good touch on the ball then move inside and is it kind of like that where you always want your strongest like scorer mm-hmm. in the center or are you really owning that outside where you can set people up i i'm hoping I stay on the outside. Okay. Um, that's where I'm more comfortable playing, mm-hmm. especially in the college game where mm-hmm. it's a lot more physical, physical and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. The center mm-hmm. forward has to deal with a lot more of the physicality part mm-hmm. of it with the two center backs mm-hmm. um, and then just one of them. So yeah. that's Sid was really good at that, holding players off and bodying up. Mm-hmm. And that's not my strong suit. That's not how I like to play my game. Mm-hmm. So I think on the yeah, outside... Your, your speed, your touch, yeah. you're sending the ball in. Yeah, so I prefer to be on the outside, use my speed, get end line, serve the ball across, that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. We have players that ha- do have experience in that center role. Mm-hmm. Um, Selena uh, played most yeah. of her minutes at the center role, so mm-hmm. I think she's someone that can step in and kind of be that bigger body that can hold people off. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maddie Castro is another one who plays a lot more with her back to goal mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and is another player that plays in that spot. Mm-hmm. So 
I think um, there's going to be a lot more rotation throughout that because we won't have – Sid was just like that was her spot. Like she could play outside, but it was more – like she was way more comfortable there. So I think there's yeah. going to be a lot more interchange this next year um, with whoever's there will have to play that role, but it won't be as set as it was. Uh, right. It's year. more people will get a shot to see what they can do. Yeah. When you guys play, especially up top, those are the players that sub the most. I mean, like you would rarely come off in the midfield because you're kind of like a consistent spot in the center. Defenders would rarely come off. But like attackers – in a way, you're kind of like forcing them to run more and then get tired and come out. You're like taking them off is almost saying like, you better be tired. We're taking like, we need yeah. to run through players. Well, and you talked about physicality a little bit. It did seem at first, like the beginning of the year when I was, when I would be writing stories, it was kind of absurd how much stronger you guys were than other teams. I mean, was, and you, like, you were just like bullying player. I mean, like. <laughs> players would like fall down there were several times where someone would like run in and try and get the ball and they would fall down like that was very regular mm -hmm. but then towards the end I mean was it that other Big Ten teams are stronger than non-conference or is it that a long season is grueling and exhausting and you lose a little bit of that physicality I think it's definitely both the Big Ten is known as being just a <laughs> bad conference like everyone is just insane and um, super strong at stuff so I think that's a big factor but then also like you don't really weight lift as much during the season, so you definitely lose some muscle and fatigue and some like minor injuries can kind of um, alter the way you play a little bit. But mm -hmm. more than anything, I think the Big Ten is just intense. Mm -hmm. And that, and that, yeah. so that, that separation isn't quite as much. Even if you're not dropping as much, the separation just isn't as much. For sure. Well, and do you, so how has this been? Because I feel like, I mean, I played much lower high school sports than you guys did, but I feel like there's just much less strength training, much less weight work, or whatever would actually happen to strength train in high school at lower levels. How much was that an adjustment for you guys? Because I think feel like, especially in soccer, teams can get bogged down with like just being in running shape mm -hmm. or just doing kind of dumb lifting where you're doing like bench and squats and like the stuff that people do when they lift. <laughs> but then how did that, how was that transition for you guys going from that level to like really legitimate strength training and building like soccer strength? I think I could touch on this. So in eighth grade, I actually had knee surgery. And so coming out of that, I, they realized that like I was kind of all jacked up, like my hips were off and everything was just wrong. So they're like, you need to start like weightlifting to like train your muscles to be stronger. And so I started weightlifting in eighth grade, like serious weightlifting. I don't know if you've ever heard of ETS. Um, so I weightlifted there for like four and a half years before coming to college, which mm -hmm definitely set me up for success um, no matter what program you go to the lifting they're gonna have different mentalities and different ways that they go about things but having just like a general idea of like what certain exercises are or like what weights to use and stuff like that I think set me up for success and helped me a lot and it's when younger girls ask what they should do before coming to college I'm like find someone to go work out with like take a weightlifting class in high school like do something just so you don't walk in the weight room and you have no idea what you're doing but does it matter that they're doing like the right kind of stuff or is it just that like any familiarity any kind of strength training does help because then at least you know like what a gym looks like right and I think I mean you definitely want to be doing the right stuff and being with people who truly know what they're doing but there are girls that come in and have literally never lifted a dumbbell before and right. like got April over here yeah. and so like that's I just feel like that is like you're doing yourself a disservice like you should come in and like have yourself at least a baseline of lifting mm -hmm. but I don't know it works for April she's here and she's <laughs> she's lifted now but yeah I would agree I think it's um a good idea to weight lift before you come to college because it's sure as a shock mm -hmm. um I had done a lot of more of like I don't, it wasn't quite CrossFit, but it was more like yeah. body weight, like that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, like, yeah, like, well, yeah, like core work, whatever. You're, yeah. You are, you, it's like really cardio mixed with actual, like some strength, yeah. but it's not like targeted. It, yeah. And I think in college, it's a lot more focused on like using weights, whereas like before I wasn't using weights. So like, it, it wasn't like I wasn't doing anything, but um, I didn't have the strength necessarily that Emily did coming in mm -hmm. and I'm not a big person to begin with so <laughs> it was kind of a shock to me and yeah. I mean I like ease my way into it and like our strength and conditioning coaches that we've had have been great with that and like mm -hmm. easing you into it and not like kind of just throwing you to the wolves and mm -hmm. being like hey do this and like what they correct your form so like they make sure that you're on the right track and mm -hmm. 
I mean, Emily obviously started in a different place than I did, but like we're pretty much in the same place now. Right. Like mm -hmm. um, it evens out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But freshman year is hard enough as it is. So yeah. like giving yourself a leg up in any way possible, I think <laughs> I is highly recommend that. super beneficial. So you have, well, you have four freshmen coming in in January. I hope so they started will, lifting. <laughs> so you will have a chance to really baptize them. Yes. The they get training. to see what spring lifting is all about. Well, it's so, I mean, it's funny too, because I remember when I was talking to Coach and talking to Corey and just talking to them about the strength. Corey's a strength trainer and just talking to them about kind of what what a successful strength program in women's soccer looks like because for me watching those games when you guys are just bullying other teams and like just look so so strong I mean especially like I talked about the reason I thought Athena was playing well she just really already knew how to use her body I mean yeah. none of you guys are big so like all of you are like small and have to use what you have but she was able to really use her like positioning and a lot of you could see consistently what you guys were coached to do because when young players would pick it up they'd get more time all that stuff but then when you walk up to you guys you're still like very small like women so what's the I mean what's that like for you kind of focusing on strength building and thinking of it as strength but then you're still like playing soccer a sport where you run the entire right. game I think Corey definitely sets us up for success in that because we lift some really heavy weights. Like you'd go in the weight room and not believe what some of these girls can lift, but he also balances it with running and like band work and stuff. So mm -hmm. you're not necessarily getting huge. Like, yeah. I mean, some girls think they're getting huge, but um, <laughs> it's definitely a good balance where no matter who we play, like I think we're usually one of the fittest teams in the country and mm -hmm. um, can hold our own, but don't necessarily like become humongous mm -hmm. yeah we're a very strong team but it doesn't look like it mm -hmm. like I think we we don't build that muscle like a lot of teams mm -hmm. do like there's one team in particular I will not mention but like mm -hmm. girls go there like they're the size we are and they come back and they're huge and I mean there were yeah there were teams that look there's big. some big girls and it and it's amazing how much different like it makes like our lives because mm -hmm. it makes soccer easier like yes right. we're stronger it makes us it better on the field mm -hmm. but it doesn't slow us down mm -hmm. um, you see girls that are like super quick and fast in high school go lift weights in college they get stronger but right. they're a lot well, slower carrying mass, yeah. and right. then their their game is not the same so right. I think um, like Emily said we have a really good balance of that mm -hmm. and um, I've definitely gotten stronger, but I still weigh about the same. So yeah. like, I, it's yeah, you're not yeah, you're not yeah yeah, you're just gaining strength. And yeah. like a lot of the muscle, like if you gain the right type of muscle and in the right amount, like you can become faster too. Mm -hmm. Like there's that balance, and I think mm -hmm. um, our strength coaches have definitely like mastered that. And right. Everyone's body's different, but they've figured it out. Right. Well, and you mentioned physicality and kind of playing in the middle. And one element that I thought where you guys kind of struggled throughout the year was a little bit on set pieces, both defending and executing. And so, well, although the exception, of course, was your wonder goal from early in the year, which was just like absurd. But, the, but it seemed like especially on like corners, both sides, like I never felt like when you guys got a corner, that's not when I thought like, oh, here they're going to score. It was more when you were building up play. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you train for stuff like that? Because I, as a player, was terrible and still am terrible at set pieces just because it seems like it's such a different skill set. But how do you actually get better at that? I mean, I think probably like 80% of set pieces, it's a mentality thing, right. like realizing that you're going to go up there and you might get knocked in the head or not knocked over, but you have to just go up and really truly battle. But mm -hmm. um, it's definitely an area that we struggled in and we practiced, I couldn't even tell you how many times. And mm -hmm. during that last week or the week between um, when we lost to Wisconsin in the mm -hmm. tournament and then the Big Ten or mm -hmm. the NCAA reveal, mm -hmm. um, we practiced plenty of set pieces and we like thought we finally figured it out and people mm -hmm. were hungry and ready to get on the end of it, but mm -hmm. a little never got a chance to show off a your little late. defending skills, all those things. But right, and it, it is a difficult thing to practice because injuries do come from set pieces, so it's really hard to practice to like me want to go 100% knowing that I'm going against my teammate who right. I very well like, may injure. no, Molly, I'm going to knock you off Right, and so, I mean, we try to balance, you know, size and abilities yeah, in yeah. the air and stuff, but, but so. it's still, like, I mean, yeah. going against Haley Meta, sometimes I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to get hurt. But right. So, I don't know, it is really difficult to practice, but it's something we say all the time, games are won and lost on set pieces. Yeah, well, especially because you guys were in a ton of tight games, and maybe that's just the Big Ten, the Big Ten is going to have right. tight games. But, but there were so many times where it was made or made or broken on something like that or like it turned or right. whatever but even yeah. on the finishing side maybe it just kind of ties back to earlier too like being really strong in the air offensively is just it's in and of itself like a skill it yeah. doesn't connect to other skills I mean like being a good header, <laughs> being a good heading finisher 
is it does not correlate to like I'm good at shooting the ball with my foot, so that means I'm also good yeah. at having it. Like right. it's just not connected to anything. Yeah, it's definitely a yeah. unique skill, mm-hmm. and it's something that like mm-hmm. some people just have, other people mm-hmm. work at and do get better, and some people just don't have. Yeah. And I think uh, we've had some headers in the past, mm-hmm. um, especially since we've been here, that have kind of taken on that role. So mm-hmm. I think. Simone was one person that we always kind of mm-hmm. aim for in corners. Yeah, and she's um, like tall and pretty strong. Yeah, so like she would kind of take a lot of that our first two years, and then last year, uh, Josie was always good mm-hmm. at getting on the end. So like we kind of lost some big time players that we aim for. So I yeah. think people, um, Nikki can be really good in the air, but she didn't have that practice and like she. Yeah. I mean, this year she was kind of like put into that role. Yeah. And she can do it, but I think well, she just didn't tough, have yeah. the, um, like the training before it to yeah. kind of work our way into that well and even the corners you guys did score I think one of them was like or even the I'm just thinking even in my head of like balls through the air one that Sydney scored I think it went off like her shoulder and then like another one that Josie scored was a deflection and then she rocketed in like had a great finish Mm -hmm. but it was off like more of like a cleaning it up type way so it's I mean it's just kind of tough and that's true of anyone I guess but and you guys play well on the floor so maybe you just don't send them in as much either Right, and I think, but with set pieces, even if you can get, like, a knockdown, and it's just such a cluster in there that, like, sometimes Mm -hmm. those are the ugliest goals, but a goal is a goal. So I think you you gotta get hungrier. You just head it down. Right, head it, if someone just even gets, like, gets a touch, and, like, there's just, like, for the goalie, like, there are so many people in the box, so, like, if I head the ball and I get it in the frame of the net, as long as it's not in her hands, you know, it just creates this um, stressful situation, so I think we just have to get a little bit hungrier in the box, and it could change games. Mm And so you guys are going in next season. I mean, you kind of will have a next season mentality now, but even especially in January, you have a few new freshmen coming in. And I think in total, the freshman class is like seven or something. Six or seven. seven. And so they'll be coming in. I mean, how much do you guys really kind of turn that next corner into next season right now? Like, are you already thinking... It's pretty like pretty far away, but like, how much are you already thinking like oh, yeah. next season, or is it just like getting better every day and just kind of like daily work type mentality? I mean, I think our mentality is always pretty good about like getting better and like preparing for next season. But I know for me personally, like during the really hard running or like during training, like my mind is like set towards next season because I literally don't ever want to feel that way again. Right. Like I'm still <laughs> sick to my stomach thinking about yeah. how we felt after that, and so. I think using it as motivation, it is a long period of time, but it's a lot of time for growth. Mm -hmm. And if you, like, wait till March to start working super hard because then you're closer to season, like, you just wasted four or five months, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think using it right now is important. Mm -hmm. Our coaches always are like, well, what are we going to do now to get ready for next season? Mm -hmm. Like, it's always looking forward to the next season, what we can do. Mm -hmm. And even since, even though we do have spring games that we can look forward to, I think Mm -hmm. even leading up to those, it's like, what are you going to do this week Mm -hmm. to make you prepared for next fall? Mm -hmm. And so that's always what we're working towards. And yeah, so Mm -hmm. we don't want to end like we did before. (laughs) So I think that's going to be a, on everyone's mind this year, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. during the off season. So I'm only asked two more things, both kind of outside of your college career. So on the recruiting side, because I'm going to try and do a piece about recruiting in January, so that when we reveal your class, we can talk about like what they've been okay. through. So what was, if you can just talk a little bit about like what your recruiting process was like, just kind of from sort of like when did you start getting recruited, <coughs> or when did you start trying to think about where you wanted to go, and then kind of like. How did you narrow down or did you have to narrow down? And then why you kind of chose the U? Okay, so long story short, I started getting um, recruited lightly my freshman year of high school. I was playing for MTA, and so I was in ECNL, so I was getting Thunder Thunder Academy. Academy, Sorry. (laughs) Um, And so at the ECNL, like, showcases and games, like, there's a ton of um, exposure to college coaches. So, But during that time period, it's um, very difficult to communicate with them because they have to, like, reach out to your coach, and your coach has to tell you, and then you have to call the college coach. And so it's a lot of pressure um, Mm -hmm. at that age. But then my sophomore year is when the recruiting really picked up and was recruited by many schools. Um, The most important was Minnesota, of course. So what were, were, like, some of the other schools? Because I've heard, like, a lot of people talk about, like, a lot of it stays, like, Midwest, like, a lot of Midwest schools. But who were the ones that were talking to you, like, the most? So I would say my top three or four were Minnesota, Wisconsin, Miami, Florida, and then BU, Mm -hmm. 
Boston University and turned down <clears throat> beach soccer and I, big city soccer. I know. I went out to Miami and visited. I um, <laughs> was I was invested. I I was interested in moving out to Florida. I'm, sh I'm shocked. Yeah. That Miami seemed entirely. I know, crazy. My mom's like, you have to go. We want a vacation there. I'm like, well, <laughs> we'll forgive her now. Right, and so. But I kind of blew everyone out because I knew I wanted to play in the Big Ten. Um, so I really focused on Minnesota and Wisconsin. And through my sophomore year, they both uh, Minnesota kind of gave me a deadline. It was like way further out. It was like nine or ten months away. But Wisconsin was like, we'll give you the offer um, two weeks before you're ready to make your decision just so they don't have money hanging mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. And so I waited, and it was a lot of discussion and a lot of really hard decision-making. And I, at the end, decided... Minnesota was the way to go, and I could not be happier to be here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And so, April, what about you? My recruiting process kind of started eighth grade um, just because I was I played up at Eden Prairie mm -hmm. Club. Um, so everyone on my team was going through the process um, as freshmen in high school, mm -hmm. um, and coaches didn't really know that I was playing up, so they just kind of mm -hmm. did the process. So it started a little bit earlier, but it was kind of similar to Emily. It was like fresh, or eighth grade and freshman year. I was kind of like – figuring out where I wanted to go, like emailing coaches, going to showcases, that kind of stuff. Um, sophomore year, I started really like thinking about like the schools I wanted to go to. I kind of knew I wanted to stay Midwest. Um, I was really, really wanted to play Big Ten, um, mm -hmm. just because that's what I had grown up around. Mm -hmm. um, but I did look at other schools. Um, my other, like, the ones that I really like went out and visited and like talked to uh, were Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, DePaul, and Miami of Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew like two of them. You guys could have been at competing Miami universities. That that's is. A really, that's or a we really, could have been two yes. Badgers, and that would have been that, right. <laughs> well, something else. I don't know if I can mention that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so my mom went to Miami of Ohio, so she's like, just oh, go cool. out and like see the school. And I really liked the school, but the soccer just wasn't for me. And I knew mm -hmm. I wanted a bigger school for mm -hmm. soccer. What are they in, like the MAC or something? Or, yeah, okay. I think so. Okay. Um, so it's a smaller conference. They were, I mean, they were decent in their conference, but. I think I always knew I didn't want to go there, Yeah. Um, but that was just one of them I visited, and then DePaul was another one. Mm -hmm. um, but it, my main two were down in Minnesota and Wisconsin, mm -hmm. and I had offers from both of them, and I kind of took a long time because I was mm -hmm. really back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, there were pros and cons to both, for sure. Yeah. Um, but when it finally came down to it, I was, I was like, I, I want to play for my home state. I want to. Yeah. And I, I, by the time I was making my decision, most of my class had already committed here. So Emily mm -hmm. was committed, Molly was committed, Emily Peterson was committed. So mm -hmm. like, I knew the girls that were coming into my class, and I really yeah. liked them, yeah. and I wanted to play with them. So I think that made the decision a little bit easier too. Wait, so when so when did you officially start getting like offers where if you wanted to, you could have said like, "Yep, I'm going there." Like, how early um, did that happen? My first offer came, I think, January of my sophomore year of high school. Okay, so you're the middle of your sophomore year. Yeah, mine yeah. was like November, December, January, somewhere in that yep. area. Oh God. That yeah. is like and it's so bonkers. And it's gotten earlier. Oh, now. earlier. Like we've had we hosted freshmen like when we were freshmen here. We were hosting freshmen and they were committing. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I'm looking to make my decision in two weeks. I'm like, two yeah. weeks? I thought like, I made I, mine earlier. They're like babies. <laughs> and like I committed yeah. summer going into my junior year, which like is okay. crazy to most sports. That's late. Yeah. yeah. No, I no, mean, but I mean like for soccer. For soccer, that, like, soccer, when did you soccer. Commit? During our time period, that was pretty that was normal, normal. but now in, it's earlier. So between sophomore and junior, I feel like that's very. It was common. between like sophomore. It would depend on the school size you're going to. So if we like for us, like people going to Big Ten, big like conference schools, yeah. it was more like summer. Summer going into junior year or okay. first part of junior year. Okay. Little, some of the smaller schools were a little later because they yeah. were. You could honestly wait till like senior year, depending. If yeah. you were going to a smaller smaller school smaller and like D one or even D two. Like, well, because they would just be because they'd just be psyched to have you. Like if you would have said like, hey. Well, yeah, not D2, but like Bemidji State, what's up? I'll come up there. Right, and yeah. I think another thing is like how much money like, was on the table. Yeah. I think, you yeah. know, if they're holding out, they're like, well, we don't want to like give you until January of your yeah. senior year, and then all of a sudden you choose Stay not now. to come here, and now we have this much money to not give to as good of players. Well, how big a difference, because I talked to Coach a little bit about like how that works, you know, like the amount of scholarships they have, that there's always nuance to like how much they're offering. You guys don't have to get into like a ton of that, but what was like the difference between what you were being offered? Like how different were the offers you were getting? Um, so I had a couple offers change okay. throughout the process. Right. I think go up. Yeah, you were getting go super up. good. Yeah, well, not even that, but I think <laughs> they they, they get a little antsy. They're like, oh no, she's not gonna come. Oh, no. Yeah. no, but um, so but both or all of mine were all pretty, pretty like close within, together. Within like 
a thousand or a couple thousand a year like that's so hard they do it in like percentages so like i would say within like 10 percent of each other okay so it was like someone was offering 100 someone was offering 90 or 95 and 85 correct it was like in that window where it wasn't like one school was offering me 10 percent one was offering me 100 (laughs) you know what i mean so they were very half and full it's Mm -hmm. it's all margin yeah i mean some people do get halves and some people do get fulls but right that's not what you were doing right 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 yes yeah, I think soccer is super weird in that, like, a lot, I know a lot of sports are either all or nothing. Yeah. And soccer is very weird. I mean, it's good, I think, because it provides a lot more opportunity for people to get scholarship, mm-hmm. but they can break it up percentage-wise. Yeah. So it makes it a little more confusing, but mm-hmm. mine are all about the same as like well. Like, all within, like, yeah. fudgeable. Yep, right. So, and they, I think Coach said there's, you know, there's always, like, a handful who are maybe on full, but then almost all of them are in, like, that. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys are talking about, like, this window of whatever. Like, right. 75 yeah. to 95 or whatever. I, it would yeah, be. I'd say 75 to 100. Yeah. Like, it. You guys don't like brag to each other about like, oh, that's that's one thing on our team. Like, I couldn't tell you. I literally couldn't tell you. It's probably just like pure recipe for disaster. Yeah, Yeah. I think, and like, people feel awkward about it. Like, I don't want to say what I got. And then someone's like, well, I didn't get that. And I'm like, oh, So I guess since it is awkward, you both have to say it right now at the same time. So, and then the other question I wanted to ask, because I've just talked to, I interviewed Tara and Josie both for like video interviews, and they were both like super glowing about playing here and they both and now Emily you actually have to respond to this because you got mentioned by Josie but both of you actually have to mention this because you're both at the same table is uh, how do you think about because you go into next year does some motivation or even like hypothetical thought of I could maybe play after does that play into like what you get interested in for next year like in other words I'm not sprinting to this point I'm sprinting past it and that's why I can like run even harder you know like the idea that you're running through that finish line to keep going are either of you like seriously thinking about it or for sure thinking about like whether you would play after college so so long as my body um stays intact I would absolutely love to play after and um, whether that be for a year or two years or three years whatever it may be I think it would be um such a privilege to get to go play somewhere and so Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not too, like, set on anything or mm-hmm. for sure or not, but mm-hmm. I would love to play. And I think next season I'll probably purely be focused on gopher soccer, but yeah. it would be nice knowing that if, well, my season's going to end eventually, yeah. that there is a little bit more mm-hmm. um, life left in my soccer career. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't even really have to be a distraction. It can also be something that, like, no, I'm pushing. I now have multiple reasons to, like, right. work my ass off. Yeah, and it's it's been something I've been thinking about since my sophomore year, sophomore mm-hmm. spring. So mm-hmm. it's been in the back of my mind, but mm-hmm. definitely something I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I've, I've been a lot of back and forth on it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with the body, too. Like, mm-hmm. um, definitely taken a toll the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And at, at freshman year, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine just having three more years of soccer left. Mm-hmm. And as it's gone on, it's been like I could see myself not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing Josie and Simone mm-hmm. and Tara kind of go overseas, I think it would be a really cool opportunity to mm-hmm. kind of see a different part of the world, mm-hmm. um, especially because we don't get to study abroad or anything. So yeah. I think that would be a really cool opportunity just to, like, see a different part of the world while you're still immersed in soccer. So you kind of have that, like, mm-hmm. little community that you can – um, kind of see the world with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if I did play after, I would go overseas. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to play here because mm-hmm. um, I, it's just not the experience I want if I continue to play soccer. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and do you, so if you're even like kind of considering it, do you just talk to older players? You kind of like ask them, hey, how's it going? Oh, what was it like? Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, because I even just ask them generally like what their day was like, how, how it was, how <coughs> training was. And it seemed like Tara and Josie had similar experiences, but they're choosing, to, you know, like Tara is like fine doing it for a year and now she's like probably going to be wrapping up, I think. But the, but Josie's just like game and I think going to keep trying it. I mean, do you talk to them about like, oh, like, what was, uh, is it terrible? What's it like? I think it's really cool for us because we have that opportunity to ask those people, especially and Rashida and Simone yeah. definitely had the opportunity in the U.S. too. So they have both perspectives. Mm-hmm. So I think we're kind of in a unique position to be able to talk to them about that. And I mm-hmm. think it's something that if... I personally choose I want to like pursue more mm-hmm. I will definitely talk to them about it mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'll listen to your podcast yeah to, oh, of course well you probably some, should yeah <laughs> but, well in the um, but then that led I mean even logistically do you then like specifically choose to be done in January like it, it actually is kind of a 
like when I set my fall schedule question, like in yeah. some ways, because it seems like it's sort of common if you want to go, a lot of people get done early. I'm sure you don't have to, but like, is it sort of something where you tell yourself, okay, well, I'll basically decide a year from now, not like a year and a half. Well, I think the other girls had from last year, two years ago, knew that they wanted to play after, so they set up their schedule yeah. so that they... They weren't taking right. 18 credits. Yeah, so <laughs> for me, like, if I wanted to leave in January, like, I'd have to come back and finish my degree at a later time, which right. is not something I'm interested in doing. Yeah. And I think that's more if you want to stay in the U.S. that that's beneficial okay. because yeah. their camp starts a little earlier, whereas, like, Josie and Tara went overseas yeah. after okay. the school year was even over. Right. So I think... Even though they graduated early. Right. So I right. think, I mean, depending on opportunities that present themselves, again, I'm not, like, closed off to any ideas, yeah. but I am not graduating early. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> it's just not possible. Right. But if I had to leave, I had to leave and come back. But I would like to finish my degree and then uh-huh. play a couple of years somewhere. Yeah. Well, and so are you guys, the team is going to Italy, right? Am yeah. I, like, is this is still going on. This like, is where, still so going when on. Are you, when are you guys going? When's that actually happening? Spring break. break. It's like March. Mar- like mid, mid-March, mid I think. Okay. So, so you, like, so, oh, so maybe that's why the freshmen want to come in early. Yeah, yeah maybe. That's the factor. We yeah. have a fundraise forum, so <laughs> they better be listening. So what's it like? So I remember I talked to Coach a little bit about it and talked to, like, SJ and other coaches. It's going to be, like, some soccer, but also a mix of, like, yeah. take, yeah. you know, different, like, fun stuff, like shopping, mm-hmm. cooking, all this that kind of stuff. So are you guys, like, are you, like, amping up for this now? Are you, like, getting psyched up, or is it too far away? It's, honestly, it's, like, too far it? away. It's too far like, away. Like, I keep forgetting that it's, like, this year. Mm-hmm. Um obviously when it gets closer it'll be fun and like after winter break too like it's kind of like we're that's what we're working towards because we have three games over there mm-hmm. so but i think right now i'm just like oh, are you scrimmaging like yeah youth national team yeah i think like the u20 Teams. or something and then yeah. a couple other games over there but yeah, yeah. so we get games over there which is exciting which will be, yeah it'll definitely be fun. and there's be a lot fun. of our family members coming too so that'll be yeah. cool. well i'm sure like the moms have to go yeah. you know you know the hustling and powers are the moms have to go. so so the oh i didn't even think about that so what's it like uh Nikki just found out, like, whatever. She's, like, down in Florida training, or is it happening right now? Well, she's so back. She, she's back yeah. now. She yeah. might go back, I think, I heard. Right, but, like, I don't it know if gets, gets, like, called in. Gets called in for, like, the U-20s. That's kind of, like, seems bonkers to me. What has she talked about, like, what her experience was like down there? Or have you guys been like, yeah. what was it like? Yeah, so I talked to Nikki the other day about it, and she said the first, like, day was just a ton of testing. They had to run a yeah. fitness test and, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. do all these testings. All the beep tests, all the stuff. Yep, and then she said they, like, played a couple games, like, scrimmages, mm-hmm. and um, she just talked, like, briefly about it, but she said she had an amazing experience, and yeah. um, it's so exciting for her. She's so awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it sounds like it would be, like, nutso. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's I, crazy. I, even when I talked to Josie, the idea of, like, adjusting for a team for, like, a second, and then you're gone. Right. Like, having to quick, like, come together, play yeah. with players you've never played with. I mean, it's kind of like how, like, ODP is so weird. You, like, come yeah. in and train. You're playing games with, oh, yeah, I don't know anyone. Right. Yeah. It's hard to have that chemistry. She said it was also weird because she was the only one that hadn't been to camp before. Oh, So, like, wow. a lot of those girls knew each other and had played They'd with each other They'd been at, like, different... the U19s and the U17s. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, for her, it was a lot more of adjustment, but I think for the other, t- like, the rest of the team, mm-hmm. there was, like, a core, at least, that kind of knew each other. Mm-hmm. So, for Nikki... It, it was uniquely terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, I think all the experience. girls that go there obviously have a certain level of talent yeah. that's undeniable, yeah. but then... I mean, regardless, you could be playing with the best people in the nation, but, like, if your styles clash, like, that's yeah. super difficult. So I right. think yeah. you have to be a player yeah, that's... Yeah, it's not just talent. It's right, you have to be successful in many systems. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we took up way, way, way too much of your time. <laughs> you have to go lift and get super strong for next year. Thanks so much, Emily Heslin and April Bakken. You guys are getting ready to ramp up to welcome your new freshmen for next season. So thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.